the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, LawnDoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's LawnDoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, he is retired U.S. military intelligence officer. We've spoken to him before. He is uh, terrific and so knowledgeable. It is Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Lieutenant, welcome back to the John DePietro Show. Um, I wish it was better circumstances, but very anxious to hear just some of your initial thoughts on what we're seeing and happening in Afghanistan and seemingly the disconnect with President Biden. Well, John, thanks for your invitation. And we're certainly seeing, at least in my lifetime, the most catastrophic uh, foreign policy uh, uh, makeout from the White House that I've seen. Uh, to begin with, this entire operation was uh, messed up from the beginning. Uh, I spent my career in, in military intelligence and worked on evacuation plans for every single contingency or every single incident that would happen worldwide in every country. The first thing you do is remove your civilians. You close your embassy. You make sure everyone's safe. And then you remove your military. Joe Biden did it completely backwards. And then they add insult to injury. John, they left our equipment there, helicopters, tanks, armored personnel carriers, uh, millions of rounds of ammunition. And they and Biden gave the Taliban uh, an air force. They never had one before. Now they have one. And on top of that, we now have ISIS and we now have al-Qaeda being reconstituted. So we're in for some real trouble as we move forward. What do you make of him trying to insist that... Uh... You know, it just contradicts what we're, what we're seeing, which is he was saying all the allies are with us and the Taliban basically uh, is, is not harming anyone. That, that is just simply not true. It isn't. And, and, and listen, I, I'm not going to make fun of the guy with regards to maybe his mental capacity because we do have mental health issues all over the country. Uh, and uh, uh, the president of the United States is not immune from that. But I've concluded based on watching his news conferences he's outright lying or, or he just simply doesn't uh, know what's going on he has a complete disconnect uh, he's more concerned now about uh, his poll numbers and about and 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 again it, it, it's it is political right he has so much hatred for donald trump uh and the republicans in this country that he's willing to do anything to try to be one up on them and and i say that not as a political statement but as a a clear-cut analysis of what i've seen taking place here because he was advised by the military not to do this and he did it anyway um again folks we're speaking with lieutenant steve rogers who happens to be a retired u.s military intelligence officer lieutenant um is it is it possible now what we hear is that he his military advisors warned against this he overrode that but you know i think it's a fair question to say is it possible that he wasn't absorbing all of the consequences of what his decision was going to be well it's, it is possible john but there are many close advisors with him in the room with the military certainly he has his national security advisor i'm sure he has the secretary of state secretary of defense there were enough people there to work very hard to make it clear to him that this would be a real serious problem. And think about what you just said. Uh, if, in fact, what you say is true, then are we going to take it a step further and somebody's going to have to invoke the 25th Amendment? Uh, because we have an individual here that, don't forget, he has his uh, fingers on, on that nuclear uh, button. And, and I, I would just hate to see something so drastic uh uh to happen like that but anything can go when you have someone that doesn't have the mental capacity and and this is not an outright criticism this is just something i think is on a line uh, in line on the minds of a lot of people uh he, he just doesn't seem to have the capacity to grasp what's going on uh, if it's not if that's not the case he's outright lying to the american 
the American people for political purposes. Yeah, and either one is not a good option. Has it um, surprised you that no one has lost their job over this? Uh, there's been no realignment. Uh, it's, it's, they're acting as though everything went according to plan. Yeah, well, it kind of confirms what, what we're all kind of thinking, that uh, he's uh, doing these things on his own. There's no one else to blame but him. Uh, if there was any idea to fire anybody, who do you fire? They're all in the same room. They're all talking together. Uh, I would think, uh, and I and, and I and I say this uh, because I know that prior presidents worked together uh, uh, in the national crisis. So a lot of the American people don't know that. It's something uh, an unofficial presidents' club where they will seek advice from prior presidents and i'm sure that if he sought some sort of advice from uh, barack obama whom not, i'm not a fan of but I, I don't think barack obama uh, would want to lead us into a major major war uh, and see a lot of people die like this I, I i just don't believe any prior president would do that so uh he just simply didn't uh, listen to people and did what he wanted to do you know what's interesting um is as much as people and people would talk about the temperament of let's just say president trump and and we would often hear that phrase you know he has his finger on the nuclear button but we've also seen the danger of someone that does the opposite which is you know this is not the united states this is this the is this the biden doctrine that we're seeing right now oh it's the biden doctrine uh, without any uh, doubt and now keep in mind that uh, president trump made it very clear to our enemies that if they got out of line uh, they would be met with the full force of the U.S. military. And during President Trump's uh, administration, there was not one move by al-Qaeda, by ISIS. Uh, the Taliban were kept uh, in place. Uh, they feared him because he was unpredictable. And that was a good thing because uh, they had no idea uh, the response of a President Donald J. Trump. So they kept uh, they, they stayed home. Now, Joe Biden comes in and he displays weakness weakness to the point john weakness to the point that the chinese communist party who by the way have their fingerprints all over the taliban operation uh sent fighter jets over taiwan they already put taiwan on notice and the words i understand from president xi to the taiwanese government is look at what your friend america is doing with the taliban take note of that so you've got the chinese uh scratching their head saying well you know what maybe it's our time now to go after taiwan you got Vladimir Putin. He's scratching his head thinking, hmm, uh, interesting. Maybe we ought to take another look at Ukraine. So Joe Biden, his doctrine is a doctrine of weakness and a doctrine of surrender. Uh, in his mind, it's for the sake of peace. But in the minds of many, it's an open pathway to war. Are you surprised Vice President Harris hasn't stepped up to carry the mantle? Uh, no, no. She's as, uh, as clueless as he is. In fact, uh, there was some sort of a report that, and a, a legitimate report that she made it clear that uh, she wasn't going to go down with this uh, as her legacy. So here, here she is uh, in, in, this, in Southeast Asia somewhere. Uh, Joe Biden's in Delaware. And uh, who's leading the country? Think about that one. Who yeah. is really leading our country? Folks, again, he is retired U.S. military intelligence officer, and it's Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Ever in an accident, someone hits your vehicle, it's damaged in some way, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272 3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them 401-272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401 401- 272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. 401-272-3340. 
Perrin will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Summer's here. You want to stay nice and healthy for you and your family? Pop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. It's My Health, right in that old white church, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health, where you're going to find vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like Isaiye, honey, maple syrup, Octave Skin Brushes, also over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. It's My Health, where you'll find hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use, natural skin care products, hair care care products, essential oils, body oils, and soaps. It's My Health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, or call her 401 305 3585. Shop local and stay healthy with It's My Health right across the street from Davenport Restaurant. Petra on AM 1380 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online on the website, which is petro.com. You just click the listen live button. While you're there, you can also venture into the shop. We have some great merchandise. Well, it's Tuesday in. Um, I want to commend the Gloucester School Department. They are finally, someone is stepping up and challenging this mask mandate on this Tuesday, uh, August 24th. Let's listen. This is the piece on uh, NBC10. Last night here, the Gloucester School Committee voted to sue the State Council of Elementary and Secondary Education over its school mask mandate. They also voted to authorize legal counsel to explore if the executive order issued by Governor Dan McKee last week is in fact legal. The town did decide to comply with the state policy, but they say parents can apply for medical and religious exemptions. The majority of the people that were at the meeting wanted to have the option to put the kids with a mask on. It doesn't mean that they're not going to send them kids to school with a mask. It just means they want the option. They don't want to be told to do it. And kind of like what we're pursuing with the, with the council is the authority to do it. And, you know, if they can tell us to do that one thing, you know, what's to stop them from going to the next level and the next level on it? You know, you've got to be accountability on their end also. So in response to all of this, we did reach out to the Council of Elementary and Secondary Education about the potential lawsuit. You know, I'm glad. Good for them. Someone's going to challenge it. Folks, again, it, it was last week that the lawyer for the Council Education, as they have in the meeting, even warned them that they didn't have the they didn't have the authority to do it. And they just ignored it. So it was just a matter of whether or not someone was going to go after them now there's more uh stories in the news but something that is starting to heat up now is the rhode island gop has filed an ethics complaint against governor mckee's chief of staff in calling for an investigation and again this was the channel 12 story uh i'm glad the providence journal have picked up on it hopefully now others will as well but uh there's nothing about this that that looks good so they're asking for the attorney general's office Pina Narona to investigate the chief of staff Tony Silva's uh, decision um, to try to influence development of this property. So I I, I am telling you that this is a problem. This is a problem for Governor McKee. It is definitely a problem for his chief of staff without question. And and this is a huge distraction for Governor McKee, who's, you know, trying to move it along and trying to build up goodwill as he's he would like to be elected governor. And remember, he is the governor, but he has been elected governor. And that election will happen, happen next September. If you haven't heard it, I want to play it. It involves Cumberland and uh, Channel 12. Great piece by them. This is their story. We've obtained new information that raises more questions about a land controversy involving the governor's chief of staff and the timing of his involvement. Target 12 investigator Tim White is here now with the latest details. In recent comments, Tony Silva has distanced himself from a controversial plan to build a home on a section of wetlands, but text messages and other documents obtained by Target 12 show he was closely involved as recently as March. 
Tony Silva, the chief of staff to Governor Dan McKee, had been seeking to develop this piece of wetlands on Canning Street in Cumberland. The town and neighbors have been fighting the proposal, fearing it would make flooding in the area worse. In a statement to Target 12 earlier this month, Silva said he had no financial interest as of April 2020. But in response to a public records request to Target 12, Jeff Mutter, the mayor of Cumberland, provided this text message from Tony Silva sent March 31st, 2021, in which Silva asked to have coffee with the mayor. Mutter says at the meeting, Silva requested that the town drop its objection to building on the wetlands. Afterwards, Silva sent this text message thanking Mutter for the meeting, adding, we are going to allow my son Ross to purchase and develop a lot. Therefore, I won't be connected to it at all at the time of sale. Hopefully, this will make it easier for you at Town Hall. In 2019, the Rhode Island Department of Environmental Management rejected Silva's plan to build a house on the wetlands, but in June, DEM reversed course after a new rainwater mitigation plan was submitted. Neighbors were upset. No public hearing was held. Would DEM have approved it in my name or my neighbors, or is it just because this person is trying to buy it? In an email to Target 12, Silva confirmed he met with the mayor about Canning Street, but said in part, I want to emphasize that at no time did I intervene on my behalf or anyone else regarding the property. My actions were always noble and in the best interests of the Canning Street neighborhood. Days after Target 12's original report, the Silva family announced they were donating the land to the town of Cumberland. With the Target 12 investigators, Tim White, 12 News. Well, they got Tim White on this. This is not going to end well for Governor McKee. This is not going to end well, and it's not going away. A lot more head. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 2110-508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508 336 2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA truck and trailer repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401 439 6028 fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist yankee tree service they provide various tree services including tree removal pruning land clearing stump grinding and bobcat service check out their website yankeetreeservice.com whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding yankee tree service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps tree pruning you know many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down the licensed arborists with yankee tree service they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining us right now, he is retired Amy Ranger 
uh, and on top of that, served in Afghanistan, also Iraq. He is the author of the book, Leave No Man Behind. Former member of the elite 75th Army Ranger Regiment, deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, support of the global war on terror. It is our honor to welcome to the program, and it is Dr. Tony Brooks. Doctor, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak to us on the John DePietro Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Doctor, I'd like to start off with, you have experience, you were on the ground in Afghanistan, and the uh, something that the Biden administration is almost seemingly not even acknowledging, and that is the progress that women have made in the past 20 years in Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a stark contrast of what was happening during the Taliban years to, you know, just a few weeks prior to today. You know, women were not allowed to walk on the streets without a chaperone, show their skin, speak in public, uh, hold any type of job, or go to school under the Taliban. So when the United States moved into Afghanistan, women were essentially set free from slavery. Wow. And what we're watching right now is, you know, likely going right back to that. It's probably one of the worst, you know, human rights issues we've seen in our lifetime. I'm curious to what your reaction was just watching the events unfold from late last week over the weekend into Monday. You know, uh, my book came out on Tuesday, and that was supposed to be a very happy day. And for the most part, it was, but only a few days later, I'm watching on TV. Um, You know, I was angry. I was sad, you know, disappointed. Uh, I felt left behind, uh, ironically, given the name of my book. You know, it's, it's one of the worst moments of my life watching this on TV. Uh, I and that, I think that says a lot. I mean, you, you know, the topic of my book is about a very ugly rescue in Afghanistan. Yep. And I've never felt so many emotions in such a short period of time in my life uh, this past week. Doctor, w- what steps do you think right now? Because certainly now there's the is the possibility that the Taliban could suddenly decide that they're going to take hostages with many of the Americans that are stranded in the country, can't get to the airport, basically in hiding. Uh, we don't know how many Americans are there. This this is not this is not going to end this week. I don't think it's going to end next week. Um, what 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 steps could the United States take right now? Yeah, I don't think it's just the United States problem at this point. Okay. I think the international community needs to step up and say, hey, we're, we're going to take back this airport and we're going to secure it and we're going to start getting people out. And, you know, we've already negotiated with the Taliban once and that didn't work out so well. I mean, what's stopping us from, from trying to negotiate now? We won't. We will not take you out if you get if you let us get our people out. Yep. I mean, what, what are we losing there? Nothing. We've already lost. So that's my opinion on that, on that matter, but this is going to be lasting a while. I believe folks, again, uh, you're listening. This is Dr. Tony Brooks, uh, his new book out and, and, um, the title is leave no man behind. Obviously president Biden doesn't exactly so far, uh, believe in that. If, if you could also address on, you know, President, some President, Doctor, some of President Biden's comments of, you know, I'm not going to pass this on to another president and no um, other American life. And just the real cold, hard attitude that he took in that speech to the country on Monday. Yeah, it was it was very disappointing for me. I mean, I think most people can agree that, yes, we wanted to get our troops out. But no one wanted this. No one wanted troops to come out and to be all for nothing. You know, how did we not have a peacekeeping mission in there? Um, how, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've looked at, if anyone wants to 
review some of the reports on Afghanistan from the uh, Special Inspector General. It's SIGR.mil, and, and this is the specially appointed Inspector General's website. They've been reporting quarterly on the reconstruction of Afghanistan. This has not been a secret. We knew this was very likely to happen, and we just simply didn't have a plan to avoid it. What, what could disappointing. What can you tell us about your time in Afghanistan? You were deployed there 2005. Um, what, what part of the country were you there? Were you in? What can you tell us about it and any type of interaction that you had with members of the Taliban? You know, I, I didn't have a lot of interaction with the Taliban when I was there. My time in Afghanistan was basically on Operation Red Wings, which was the rescue of the lone survivor. The rest of the time was mostly training. It was, a, it was an odd time during the war where uh, special operations units weren't doing much because we were trying to win the hearts and minds at that time. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best to talk about interactions with the Taliban, but I will say this. You know, in 2005, we were mostly done with our mission. And it picked up again later because of our inaction. So, you know, this has been a disaster for a long time. And we've known it. Um, how, how would you describe the Taliban as an enemy? I mean, people are hearing it about it, but the, uh, most people that I talk to and listeners, they, they don't have a full feel on what type of enemy they are, what their goals are, what type of leadership they are. What, what type of enemy is the Taliban? I'd say the Taliban are some of the most fierce fighters in the world. They've grown up in war. They lived their entire life in war. That's all they know. And to, to go into a country to try to fight a, an enemy like that, you have to be willing to fight. And, you know, I, I don't think that we were ever, you know, given permission to win this war. I called it in my book. I said this was a war of whack-a-mole. This was not a war. It was it was a game of whack-a-mole. We were only allowed to hit the mole when it popped up. And that's what we've been doing for the past 20 years. So, I mean, it, you can see the results of it. Folks, again, we are speaking with Dr. Tony Brooks. And, Doctor, I, I am um, very curious what type of thoughts and emotions and feelings you have as we approach the 20th anniversary of September 11th? Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go yet. I mean, I I was a freshman in college on 9-11, and I was there for maybe three weeks when, when 9-11 happened. And at that moment, I wanted to leave school and join the military. So... You know, it has a big impact on my life. You know, it turned me into an Army Ranger. So this year in particular is probably going to be one of the toughest. And it's it's a little unfortunate because I think there's a whole generation, you know, there's a 20-year-old out there right now that really has no connection to 9-11. And we basically fought a shadow war for 20 years. Hmm. So it... it I think the general population isn't going to really care. And that's disheartening for someone who you know, went off to fight a war because of it. So I fully expect it to be a very rough 9-11. Folks, again, it's Dr. Tony Brooks. By the way, his new book now, Leave No Man Behind. And, Doctor, before I let you go, if you could just touch on that th this is not just a book about the military. This is, you know, this leave no man behind, team first. This is something that could be implemented basically in any organization where you have different types of people involved with a common goal. Absolutely. I mean, the whole the whole mantra of leave no man behind is that, you know, it's been around since the beginning of time. And in war, one thing that, allows us to do things that normally we wouldn't do is that we know that every single person is coming home 
and we know that no matter what happens, our buddies are going to come get us, you know, dead or alive. And that allows that allows your mind to do things and your body to do things that you never would do. So I think yes, that should be in every organization should be thinking about this. How is the mission bigger than an individual person? Folks, again, the book is Leave No Man Behind. Dr. Tony Brooks, former member of the elite 75th Army Ranger Regiment. Calvino, call for a free consultation today, 401-785-9400, or online, fightbackcalljack.com. Were you or a friend or a member of your family in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, fight back, call Jack, free consultation, 401 401- 785-9400 50 years personal injury law experience and his office 100 years combined total with the staff fight back call jack 401-785-9400 it would be great if you were in an auto accident motorcycle accident slip and fall workplace injury and the other person's insurance company offered to compensate you what they should but it doesn't happen that way you need a fighter Fight back. Call Jack. Free consultation. 401-785-9400. Jack Calvino. 401-785-9400. Or online. Fightbackcalljack.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the Managing editor, FrancoRising.com. It's our friend, Justin Katz. Justin, I'd like to start off. This was, um, in some ways, if you're Governor McKee, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing says commander-in-chief, head of the state, than you're at the, you know, emergency management agency, and you're holding press conferences and telling everyone to kind of bunker down. A lot of people think of it in terms of, you know, it's good during a blizzard, but when you have this type of thing with a hurricane or almost near this hurricane, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you thought Governor McKee was in handling the storm. Well, I, I didn't see a whole lot of them, which I thought was good. I mean, he was out there, I'm sure. But um, the, what bothered me was the we got multiple days of, of emergency alerts on our cell phones and then nothing happened. You know, it was, it, at least in my neck of the woods, it was, it was essentially a windy day. Uh, and I, I think from my perspective, I, I, I think the, the governor, well, I, I think in general, we need to, we need to reevaluate how we respond to these things. I think the, I, I get a sense or at least a fair number of people who, who, who lament that the, the hardy New Englander, New Englander appears to have disappeared. Uh, so to the extent that McKee wasn't out there really ramping up or trying to capitalize on this uh, for the commander in chief type of image. I think that's probably a good thing because I think we're just, we're, we're too, we're too far gone, but I, I do, what I do want to see out of McKee and, and our representatives and, and really the people of Rhode Island is a little bit more concern uh, about the idea that even on a windy day, your power can go out for a week. Uh, that's starting to get really, really concerning. I think You're we right. need to do more. We yes. need to do more, preparation, more concern, more, more ensuring that our power is not going to go out, uh, more infrastructure, not so much panic and worry and emergency declarations. And um, because that's where we're really going to get hit at this point, anybody who can afford one is going out and hooking up a home generator. Uh, and that's why now we're getting runs on gasoline whenever there's an emergency. You're right. That was something, that was something relatively new. I started to see yesterday on social media, people saying, or Saturday, rather, seeing, saying they couldn't get gasoline because people were going and filling up gallons and gallons of it in case they lost power for a month. That shouldn't be. And that's, that's where I, whatever, the, whatever the reaction of the government on that day might have been, I think we need, if we don't see them really starting to reevaluate why all the money gets sucked away into union contact contracts, uh, green projects, all that yeah. stuff is sucking up all this money that should go to infrastructure. And there really needs to be outrage and some, some stepping up of, of elected officials on that front. Um, and also I found it refreshing. I, I did actually, um, well, I did made a, made a point to watch and, and, and even did go to one of the briefings, but uh, the thing about Governor McKee is it seemed to just be more of an alert 
Um, here's what's happening where I'll, I'll say it was refreshing. Governor Mundo, Justin, as you know, was always big on like is people used to joke like being the mom, like I'm going to protect you. And my goal is to keep every Rhode Islander safe. And at times it just seems so overboard. The talking points, you could tell what they were going to be. Uh, you, you know, she would then have the let's introduce all the different people. And she was always trying to have every single, you know, person represented this. It, it, it was just kind of refreshing to me. You know, this McKee, that's the head of the state police, happens to be, you know, a white guy, Colonel Manny. And then the head of EMA happens to be a white guy. And you just didn't have where in the past Governor Mundo always seemed to be like filming a commercial, putting on a show by and here's the head of our state police and she's a female. And here's this person and she's, you know, Asian or he is some in, in that regard. I think he doesn't seem to care as much about the optics. Yeah, well, that, I mean, the, the contrast is important to keep in mind. I mean, Raimondo was not a typical politician in that regard no. either. She she was way over the top. She turned the yeah. entire state government into a PR machine for her. So, you know, that's, yeah, you, you put that's it exactly right. right. She was putting on a performance. Every day, yes. something would happen. And how can we make this look like a, an important performance with all the right boxes checked whereas mckee is a bit more of a standard politician and maybe even a bit more on the you know just get things done and than a standard right. politician where he's just you know, there's a there's a storm we're going to inform you i know people are concerned here's what we're doing i mean and that's right. that's really how it ought to be you don't need the yeah. performance the, no the about optics you don't need to hire people because they'll look good on the stage uh when <laughs> you're when you're announcing something uh that's that's I, you make a really good point there well, just because Governor Mundo, the, the most mundane thing in their mind was always a potential television commercial. But you exactly. raise a good point where you're really starting to see it now where Governor Mundo had full time press people. Um, I, I, I know that Governor Baker, uh, his press briefing, I think, was carried on cable network news. Um, I have a family member that said, you know, I haven't seen the governor of Rhode Island. And that to me was that's because he's not trying to get the coverage of you know, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, all right, what time, if I do my briefing then, then will, you know, you cover it, the governor of Rhode Island, and, you know, she would have made sure that her briefing was carried on cable news. Governor McKee, in some way, I, I'll just say that, it seems a little refreshing of uh, kind of like, here's what you need to know, and then just get out of the way, and everything is not some token phrase or some manufactured talking point where you can picture a consultant in the conference room saying, and make sure you really like press your finger to your lip that you really look concerned for the voters or that type of thing. Folks, again, our segment is um, politics this week. Now, Justin, at the same token, last week, Governor McKee did kind of fold, I think, to the pressure. But w what is your thoughts on him now saying there will be a public school mask mandate throughout the state? Yeah, I, I think fold is the the right verb there. I mean, I, my my take is that people at this point, they're not as much concerned about the about the virus or the Delta variant. What they're concerned about is that we might they might find they can't get their way when they really really want it. And I, th I think that's a lot of the pressure that's coming out now is we need mandates, we need mandates, and he avoided it. He didn't want to do it. But then you the problem with that is you he he doesn't want to stake out any ground. And I, I don't know if that's personality or if that's because he's up for, for election in a year and he doesn't want to be faced with uh, you know tax from his left uh, for having been weak on some of this stuff. But because he didn't stake out a principled ground, he ends up with almost a worse situation where you've got the school board, uh, the state school board with their, their lawyer saying, you don't have authority to do a mandate. And they said, well, essentially, we're going to do a mandate anyway. And then he comes out with this, you know, he's saying that he, the General Assembly has, has taken away a lot of his emergency powers with this executive order. So he issues a new one. And to me, he's, it's at this point, it's really just showing what a game. Uh, these emergency orders have become. Uh, it's not as if pandemics are some unanticipated thing that nobody ever thought of in the past. Uh, and so here we are with with uh, the Delta variants really much worse. So we need a new executive order. Well, you know what? We did a lot of damage to our, our economy, to our children's education, to, to the psychiatric the psychiatric health of our state, the yeah. people of our state, and we still still had supposedly these thousands of deaths and hospitalization 
Well, if the Delta variant is that much worse that we need a fresh executive order, then you know what? Give it up because you're not going to stop it with, with some masks on kids in school. Uh, so the there's just this fundamental disconnect between what he's trying to what they're trying to do with these policies and what they say they're trying to do in order to make it legal to do what they want to do. And I think that's we're really getting to the point of what what would be a constitutional crisis if anybody really cared about the Constitution anymore. Well, was I thought telling at the press briefing again, folks, our segment is politics this week with Justin Katz was the question. If you go back and listen, it wasn't why are you moving to the man? You know, it's now in a state order a mask mandate in the public schools. The way the media phrased it was, what took you so long? Why yeah. did you wait? Why have you now arrived at that? Why are you doing this? Um, I was somewhat even taken aback as someone I was at the briefing and, you know, they'll mention, look, in Florida, you know, there were 400 cases the first week of school, but but no one ended up in the hospital of those children. They're still going just in the local media who, you know, there were calls for him in the local media that, you know, do the right thing, issue the state mask mandate. They're still using the metric of look at that 400 cases. But no one mentions that, you know, they're, they're all asymptomatic. No one's in the hospital. Uh, the kids just had to go home and quarantine for a few days. But um, I think, the, don't you think that also drives it? The fact that that was the reaction from the media, not why are you doing this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What, what struck me when the when the state school board did what every the lawyer said, you can't do this. And they did it. The news media didn't cover it that way. The, no. the phrasing, the phrase I saw again and again was they called it a workaround. Yeah. No, no, you're not supposed to find workarounds for the law. You know, it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't actually happen that way. So uh, I, I think we're, we're getting a lot of that kind of attitude. And we've discussed frequently, the especially among the younger journalists who are fully bought into the woke thing. Oh, they yeah. were raised. They took classes in journalism school on social justice. They think that's what they're supposed to do. And I think we're seeing that in a whole lot of areas, whether it's, you know, COVID or, or even critical race theory or gender politics it's as long as the the it's a policy the news media people support there's nobody looking after the process they don't they don't care about representative democracy it's not even it's almost like a it's almost like a, eh, a suggestion and this kind of keeps things going well but when it really matters <clears throat> issue an executive order yeah and not only that but uh before we go to a break but I, I believe like the, the town of Gloucester, I believe they are going to um, school committee. They voted against it. So I think they may take legal action. And also the Johnson School Committee voted against it. So as much as he issued that, uh, there doesn't seem to be you're exactly right with the media. There doesn't seem any concern about legal precedent or whether he legally has the right to do it. It almost seems is if, well, he's announcing it because it's morally the right thing to do. Folks, quick break. A lot more politics this week. He's Justin Katz, managing editor of MakerRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving always provides high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Residential, commercial, seal-coating patios. Get your driveway paved. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. 20 years experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating, patios, and general masonry projects. J. Perry Paving, they offer free estimates. Call them today at 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. It's J. Perry Paving. Get your driveway paved. And if you're a veteran, no one has a better package for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, J. Perry Paving has your back. Check out the benefits of investing in asphalt paving. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving, a licensed insured contracting company they will meet your needs no matter how big or how small and no one treats veterans better than j perry paving call them today 401-732-1730 401-732-1730 for j perry paving we're speaking with donna perry independent writer and also media opinion maker uh dj i i asked you to look at this channel 12 story and by the way kudos to them 
Last week, the Boston Globe got out the 911 calls regarding that night that those kids were in the car chase. But Channel 12, I think they've come up with an interesting story. It has to do with Governor McKee's chief of staff, Tony Silva, former police chief. So then he joins the former mayor as he becomes lieutenant governor. He's the chief of staff. And this story just it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. Uh, This whole business of. Basically, this is what happens with these guys like get too comfortable in a town. He's the deputy emergency management guy or something. So he's getting seventy five hundred for that. He makes, I think, close to two hundred as the chief of staff of the governor. But calls the mayor. Hey, you know, you got five minutes for me trying to push him on this land. Uh, They want to you know, have his son build there. or He wants to build there. This, This is the type of thing I think in a competitive primary. Governor McKee has no time for this type of stuff. No. And, and, you know, like you say, kudos um, to uh, Channel 12 and, yes. and their investigative team, uh, Eli there and, and um, Ted Nisi, et cetera. Um, because this is one of those stories that can kind of roll out. It just kind of rolled out, they, but yeah. they've been putting it together. Um, and you're right, John. It's one of those things that you say, does this story have legs? It, it seems like it does. Because what should be very concerning for McKee's team is they did the APRA request. They get documents. They certainly got texts that I'm sure people, no one expected would happen. Um, and, like, that's a mayor, and then you're a government official. The texts are fair game now. I mean, you know, that's a way of communicating. It's just like right. an email. Yes. I don't think a guy like Tony Silva would have imagined that, you know, right. like, hey, Hey, uh, Jeff Mutter, the current mayor, you know, let, we'll go grab a coffee. We, we got to talk about this thing. Um, and so I think what is problematic and maybe very problematic for McKee, as you say, John, these two have been decades together. He was yeah. the police chief. He they were they've been dominant political figures of Cumberland. So, you know, they're very entrenched. McKee, by all you know, appearances, at least up to now, I think has come out of the gate pretty strongly after Ramondo, you know, stepped down and went to her Washington job. And so I think this is very something to watch. You know, I do think it's one of those stories you think, well, is it just about Tony Silva kind of overstepped what he's doing? And then people are saying, um, when you talk about a state agency, DEM, Mm. that I think that part's where it gets very curious, like they had ruled by 2019, McKee was not the governor and said like, you know, this is problematic lands, way too much wetland. No, nobody's building on it. So then lo and behold, if I I followed some of the details by the spring, there's a reverse decision or even as recently as this summer, I guess it was June. So it's just, you know, it's just a curious story. It is somewhat easy to understand that he starts throwing his weight around, try to get them to wave it, you know, and again, I want to be very, I'm not saying it's the Cranston land deal that right. they flip 2 million in a day, but if you're the governor, you've got to decide. And then you start to wonder, you know, channel 12 uncovered, he gets paid by the town of Cumberland. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, unusual for someone who's a chief of staff. So then he's also grabbing money there. Oh, right. Trying to yes. throw around the, you know, the weight of the office a little bit. I like I said, uh, he's going to face a primary next September. I think you have to be cautious. I want to pivot back to the fact um, of, you know, here you are, the Biden team, and they're trying to get their footing on this Afghanistan situation. Mm. And Donna Perry, I think the last person you want out there is the vice president who (laughs) she just that is not her strong suit. She did again, as I said early on, she has that nervous tick that if she doesn't know what to say. She just starts laughing, which yeah. is a very bad habit. Um, she she is, you know, she had a lot of problems at the border. And now here she is on this foreign trip. I, this is not someone, again, who takes the job seriously. You need someone serious. And that is not how, to me, she strikes anyone. Well, that's the thing. John, you called it before all the national media about the, the laughing. Yes. And, and it's now everyone, like, talks about it. I mean, you know... It, First of all, okay, she it's not t- great timing. She had um, these trips are planned well in advance. It's kind of not a headline grabbing thing. She's talking about the automotive industry and you know with in Southeast Asia and she's meeting with Vietnam and okay, so that's like a typical vice president trip in normal times. 
But as you say, number one, to me, what has shown through with her repeatedly, um, she and I don't blame the media, John. They clearly were like almost chasing her on the tarmac because why she dodges the media more than any you're a vice president and she makes no time for them. She seems to have this like above it all sort of dis, you know, demeanor, or maybe it's her team, but she's hidden from the media. She seems to walk off stages and go behind the curtain. You know, we've seen this. I think they mm. sort of learn that routine, as you say, during the very odd presidential campaign yeah. during, you know, the height of the pandemic. And the, the two of them would make these very awkward stand on, a, you know, those weird things in Wilmington. And then she would go run behind a curtain, never answer questions. So she kind of has gotten used to this. Um, and I think what was happening is they were trying to chase her down and saying, you've barely spoken. You haven't spoken in public about this Afghanistan nightmare going on. And, you know, for her to first like laugh because she's, oh. Almost like, you know, you're bothering me, you know, yes. like, oh, gee, I'm, I'm on my tour over here. Excuse me. You know, you work for the American public. Um, and this is like a highly serious situation. And as you and I say, if you're the VP and, you know, there are questions about his competency and how is he doing with this? Very and much. she's supposed to be one heartbeat away from the Oval Office. Yep. I don't think any of this should give the public, I don't care where you stand politically, I don't think it gives the public a lot of confidence. Um, of, and it, that question is asked, like, who's really in charge? But, you know, whether it's the border and now this, um, you know, she's now one strike, two strike, you know, like not really showing anything that looks like in command leadership. Uh, she gave a robotic talking point answer when they finally could get something from her on that tarmac in Asia. I mean, she basically said, of course, our first priority is getting the people out. Well, that's the talking mm -hmm. point that they're carrying on, that they're right. all saying that. Well, yes, we know that. Um, but she never gives any more of an illuminating answer, I no. think, on a lot of these pressing issues. Um, and, you know, John, let's face it, they're always trying to, in a way, prop her up. Yes. Um, you know, Jen Psaki always has to throw it in that it's the Biden-Harris administration. Mm. I don't know that that means anything to anybody, no. but, you know, they, they're, but they're all about all the symbolism and language right. and talking points. So she throws that in today. I don't think anyone is paying attention to her, you know, trip about economics or whatever it is in mm. Southeast Asia. So, again, um, he, he is really in deep um, this happens to presidents. Of course it does. So I'm not saying that it's not expected. And these become tough issues with these kind of difficult terrorist groups. But uh, I don't think you have to be a foreign affairs specialist. You can be an average, you know, busy, wary American. But you know we, why we were there. And by any stretch, it does look like after trillions of dollars in 20 years, we basically hand the country back to a band of terrorists. That's right. I don't yes. know how you can be a basic American and, and you that. don't yeah. and you don't read the New York Times, but yeah. you look at that, I don't see how you see that that is any kind of a success and it just continues to look like again a dangerous mess and those I don't know, they've put themselves in a corner as I said, they've got that deadline that's coming very quickly. I don't know, you're going to resolve this in 8 days. Yeah. Um, We're going to so, take a, another quick sure. break. A lot more Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show.